0: Hello and welcome to Core Truth, the podcast show, where we will discover the core truth that controls our experience of life. I'm your host, Mark Follett, and together with my friend, mentor, and author of the book, The Truth of Love and Fear, Rudy Ecker, we will peel back the outer layers of consciousness in order to understand and realize the nature of our perceptions and the beliefs that control the experience of our lives. We will uncover the true nature of consciousness what drives our personal actions, behavior and feelings in life, and what really motivates mankind. So we welcome you to join us on a journey of self-discovery, self-realization and self-awareness to give you a new insight into who you believe you are. Hello and welcome to Core Truth. It's Mark Foller here with Rudy Eckhart. And today I wanted to go a little bit more into my story, but not, not way back. Start with the the way that I was introduced to Rudy and we probably use that as an example of um, some of the concepts we spoke about in the last episode that relate to creating your own reality in particular uh, because there's so many serendipitous moments in what's happened for me over the last 12 months that I think it's, uh, it's a good underline to some of the concepts that we spoke about last week and that we'll be talking about in the in the upcoming episodes to, uh, that we're going to make together and I would, I'd like Rudy to comment as we go through on, on some of my perceptions on some of the things that have happened, because he's obviously on the other side of that as well, and uh, obviously with his experience, uh, he'll have some different perspectives on t- to mine on the same events. Um you going to comment on that, Rudy, really to start with?
1: No, no. It's, it's, it's probably a good way to travel right yep. now and, and a good way to come to, to realise... Um, in reality, if you like, how how um, creating our reality, if um, if it's not understood as being part of your life, how you can be, let's call it misled mm-hmm. to its places and ideas and beliefs that really have not a positive impact in your life can have a negative impact on your life. Absolutely. So my my story,
0: I'll start some years ago, but quickly fast forward. We we have two children that, for the purposes of of their schooling, were diagnosed with different levels of autism spectrum disorders, and as a result of that, our family went on a journey for about the last five or six years of trying to find answers to that, and we went through and did a lot of work physically with ourselves, we worked on improving our diet, we, we worked... Um, on things like behavioural optometry and you know psychiatry and all sorts of things with the kids, and didn't really get anywhere with that side of things. But with the food and lifestyle that we've we've taken on, we've certainly improved uh, our our kids' ability to be able to function in the world, uh, and they're actually doing really well now. But as a result of that, we started questioning ourselves as parents, my wife and I, and wondering how this all came about, and also looked at ourselves through our new understanding of our body because we're very in tune with our physical needs and we started to perceive that there was some emotional issues that we needed to work through uh, and all, all of that was fairly new to us only probably about 12 months ago from uh, the middle of last year for instance and we're, we're working and living in Sydney And we met up with a friend of ours and we were actually saying that we needed to start doing some work on ourselves uh, on an emotional level to start working out why why we weren't getting where we wanted to get in life and and understanding the link between our interactions with our children and their reactions to us as parents. I was starting to get a bit of a concept that what we were doing as parents really had a huge impact on how our kids were behaving and uh, how they were interacting with the world. So we were mentioning this to a friend of ours over a cup of coffee and he said, why don't you go and see, uh, Rudy? He's, he's a, he's a a friend of mine and I I go and see him and I, I work with him and, and he's been fantastic in helping me to get through some of my issues. And so we, uh, We'd made an appointment with Rudy at that time, and that was about 12 months ago, and we had no idea what to expect. We, had, we really had no experience with the type of work that Rudy does. We had done some basic kinesiology type work before, but had no concept of really how that worked or why it worked or um, an understanding. But we did have a fair idea of how our bodies spoke to us intuitively at that stage physically, but uh, not really an understanding of how that reacted with our emotional state. So we got to that stage and we had no idea what to what to expect in coming to see Rudy, but we did have faith in this friend of ours uh, who referred us, so we, we thought this would be a great idea. Now, we had tried some things like um, brain training techniques and things without a great deal of success with the kids. It was kind of boring, um, some neurofeedback therapies and things, and thought this might be a different way to approach those um, those negative uh Emotions and experience that we were getting through and with our kids as well. So we we sent Rudy an email, asked for an appointment, and we said, is there any books we should read on the topic that would give us an idea of what the type of work we're going to do with you? Because we're quite curious about it. And he said that he was coming out with a book, but it wasn't available for publishing at the time yet. It was coming out very soon, and we were looking forward to that. But that in the meantime, we could could read some of the Seth material, which is the basis upon which... He had his spiritual awakening, as he explained in the previous episode. So we started doing a little bit of reading into the Seth material, and it, it absolutely blew me away in terms of the way that it explains how, how we work as, as individuals, how we work as a society, and how our race works as, as, a, as a human race. And I got a great understanding of that on a, on a basic level, But I didn't really start to experience any practical outcomes of that until I started working with Rudy. So we did that for probably sort of six months at the start of this year. And as a result of that, my intuitive abilities started to increase as some of my fears subsided. And uh, as a result of that, I was able to help people out by um, practicing automatic writing. And Rudy saw some value in that. And then we started working together together to try and gain some really good outcomes um, for people using my intuitive abilities and Rudy's healing abilities. And as a result of us working together, we've come to the conclusion that we really need to get, uh, get out there and start um, promoting what, we, what Rudy does in particular, hence the reason for, for us working on these episodes, but also that we're pre- preparing some documentation about, that goes with his books um, in, in how we can actually work on this type of stuff with other people. So really, I'd be interested in your comments on that. I guess that's a, that's a pretty dry story, but I'd like to go more into how some of that uh, plays out. I, I certainly wasn't consciously aware of taking that path in my life, but I know now that I was definitely the creator of that path. I was obviously seeking something that I didn't quite, I couldn't quite put my finger on at the time. I now understand it a lot better because I've got to the a point where I can look back on it. But um, I don't know whether you've got any comment on the mechanisms that play out.
1: Well, <clears throat> when, um, when you have a particular intent or you're open to an outcome, and that intent inv- evol- involves questions that you need answers for, then um, it might be an unusual way to put it, but a question is like a vacuum, a spot in the universe that needs to be filled. And so, whatever your question may be, if you keep it open and you keep defining and redefining it, eventually you will be attracted to find the answer. And the answer will come to you, not necessarily in the way you think, not necessarily the way you would expect it to come, but it will come. And it can take anything from, <laughs> from now or like instantly to a lifetime. Um, <clears throat> when I was developing the work that we now call Core Beliefs Therapy. Um, from 1991 to, uh, I can almost date it to March 1994, I try to understand the nature of fear as we experience it as a conscious. And now it's very easy to describe fear, for instance, as uh, being terrified to fall off a cliff or being terrified to be on a ladder or being um, um, terrified of anything that might kill you. But it becomes more difficult to describe what fear is when it comes to emotional stuff like asking for a raise or uh, speaking your mind or confronting a particular person over a particular issue. Those kind of fears is um, the core reason why we have so many emotional problems in life. And so it took me about three years plus Asking the question, what is this fear? Where does it come from? What is its origin? What is its nature? How do we get to have it? And why do we have it at all? And why does it look like a fear? And I might sound a bit strange, but fear is a particular emotion that separates us from um, the truth, if you like. And it has that power over us. To influence our decision making, our behaviour choices, and perception, so understanding it was really important.
0: They're, they're amazing questions that you came up with. Um, I, I certainly had those myself, and I think one of the one of the questions that one of the questions that you asked me when we first met and we started doing some work together was, "What is fear?" And I, and I honestly couldn't answer the question, "What is fear?" And uh, I'm not sure I'd still give the answer justice, but do you, do you want to have a go at that, Rudy? I know you're very good at explaining now, now with your experience, uh, what what fear is. But I, th- but I think for me, when you first asked me that question, I didn't really know how to, how to answer that. I told you a lot of circumstances that created fear, but I didn't really know what it was.
1: And that that, that particular question, which, which bugged me for so many years... Um, even though I was working with people, I was getting positive results. I wasn't actually dealing directly with fear. I was dealing with belief systems in the most simple way possible. Um, once I understood what fear was, I was I was able to um, recognize and appreciate why belief systems acted on us, controlled us, if you like, fear-based belief systems in the way that they do. So fear... Fear as an emotion, fear as a feeling, originates in childhood. And so you were talking about your children. And while autism is not directly, uh, for instance, a, um, a condition that one would relate to fear, fear, but fear is actually at the origin of that condition in many different ways. Yes. Um, when we have emotional issues and they become physicalized or they become radical, if you like, and there is some physical aspects to it. It is only our emotions finding expression through our body. And often they're far more easily recognizable as a symptom of something. But we hardly ever think of them as those physical issues being a symptom of fear. If we talk about your children for a sec.
0: Yeah. I, I certainly have, have now come to that that conclusion uh, after the, after twelve months. I didn't really understand that beforehand, and it's it's something I think in general that people have symptoms of many different diseases. We, we uh, my wife and I, Leah, work work in the health space, uh, helping people on a physical level, and people blame their body or they feel like their body is falling apart on them, uh, and it's it's an external influence on their life. Whereas blaming your body is a little bit pointless because essentially your body is there as, as an expression of your emotional state and therefore you're blaming your body for doing its job. Your body is, is there, is expressing and showing to you that you have emotional issues you need to work on and uh, there's it, no good disliking the, the fact that your body is doing that for you because it's actually doing its job. It's perfor- performing a service for you.
1: Yeah, you can see it that way. You can see your body almost like... A if you like an alarm system that goes off yes. and tells you, hey, there's something wrong. Yeah, right? you, can't,
0: you can't blame your body for doing that. It's it's part of its job.
1: But what really is to blame, if you if you want to blame, if you want to use the word blame as a as a as a way of addressing something, is um what really is the cause of it yes. is your emotional state, and it's our lack of awareness, our lack of um, being conscious of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions in the way that we should be, even though I hate the word should, <laughs> but the way that we should be.
0: The well, that we could definitely be.
1: And could be, yes. yeah, um, that causes us to live our lives in emotional ignorance and then only when the body starts to show that we have emotional, physical issues, if you like, um, we pull the alarm cord, yes. you know. And then we start being either critical of our body or the, what happens to us requires medical intervention. Um, we hardly ever go back ever to look at ourselves as a consciousness. We more or less take our body to the doctor or to a hospital and tell the doctor to fix it as if it's a car. Yep. That has a mechanical failure. So, so we don't really connect our consciousness with our body in the way that we should.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: so part of part of the work of course is actually understanding uh, that connection, uh, working with that connection within yourself, developing a sensitivity and awareness of how our consciousness is connected to our reality because our body is a physical manifestation of our spiritual being and therefore is our connection with reality. Without our body, we have no connection with reality. Mm. It's different. So, being physical and having our spirit, mind, consciousness act through our body gives us a connection to physical reality. Physical reality also a physical experience of other people and a connection with other people
0: through our physical senses and our our physical senses. Yeah,
1: there's a lot more to be told in that. There's a there's a much uh, much deeper uh, realization to be had there, right? But for now, just to realize that, that your body and your mind are intrinsically connected, and there is a hierarchy. They're not equally like three legs of the same chair. Mm. Your spirit definitely is the primal. Your mind is the secondary part because it represents the part of you that is that, that contains your spirit. It's almost like the bucket that holds the spirit. But the shape of the bucket is, depends on what you believe yourself to be as an individual. How you express that becomes your behavior. How you perceive that is a product of your belief systems again. And your emotions <coughs> are kind of the warning system or the telltale that should inform you whether your beliefs are positive or negative. Unfortunately, your feelings don't always tell the truth. And there are reasons for that which are unfortunately intrinsic to, um, to the way human consciousness operates in reality, which again, needs a longer explanation than I want to give right now. Mm,
0: yeah, that's understandable. I think the way I'm going to explain something here you'll probably say is the is the wrong way around but the experience that Leah and I had is that we improved our physical condition and as a result of cleaning up our diet and, and cleaning up our, our environment and being more sensitive to our bodies we then sought a spiritual connection. Now, and, and as a result of that we started to understand better our emotional state. So it's kind of gone backwards really because what you're saying is that you first of all had the emotional issues and then the physical but we actually worked backwards from having physical issues and then through understanding ourselves better physically we started to understand ourselves better emotionally worked backwards towards our emotional state and started to understand that there were issues there
1: but but there's a logic to that experience that i can explain Mm. and not everybody of course follows that path Mm but there's no wrong path or right path to begin with, all right? But your experience is a very logical one because one of the, um, one of the qualities of consciousness, our unconsciousness, is that it... Um, when it's ignorant of its own nature, in other words, the origin for its own actions, reactions, responses, perception, feelings and emotions it defines itself by the physical experiences that it has instead. So its focus is really not within, its focus is outward, to the physical world, to your own physical body.
0: To physical experiences.
1: To physical experiences. So if those physical experiences um, then come to represent something negative, you start to question it. Ultimately, if you keep asking questions, it must lead you to within place because you run out of answers.
0: Mm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting ride for me in such a short space of time to go from a place where I believe that things happened to me and I, I appreciated that there were certain things that I experienced that I enjoyed and I thought, thought, thought as positive experiences and other experiences that were thrust upon me that I didn't enjoy, which were negative experiences. Um, and that's the place that I was operating in probably 12 months ago is thinking sort of you almost feel like a a pinball in a pinball machine where you get bounced around and some places are good and other places send you down between the flippers to the the bad place and you feel like you're you're not in control, you're just getting buffeted around. And through the work that we did together and through a lot of reading that I've done as well, um, I now understand that you're actually moving the direction of things and you're choosing how... Your life tessellates everything into place. And as you said, you don't necessarily know the exact way that it's going to happen, but you can set your intent towards a particular focus and ask questions, and you you can certainly drive your life in particular directions, and that's what we talk about with creating your own reality.
1: Yeah, of course you you can you can drive your life in a particular direction in two different or three or four different ways, but the two ways that are most prevalent is the one where you say I drive my life by conscious thought. Yes or by unconscious thought. Then you can put it to the mix that that conscious thought can be driven by fear, Mm. and your subconscious um, thoughts, ideas, and beliefs, and intents can be driven by fear. So if you are driven by subconscious, negative, fear-based beliefs, then you are not aware why you behave and act the way you do, and why you feel the way you do, and your responses are what they are. And why things happen to you, seemingly, right? As they do, if you are conscious of your fears you 're likely to deny that it is your f- that, that you are actually choosing out of fear or acting out of fear because you will give justification and reason why you should be afraid, like somebody who's fearful of failure will avoid risk because it 's logical for him to avoid risk because he feels failure mm. so he will go to the to the very further spired away from the risk in order to make a decision that he believes is a sensible decision to make. If he then does not get what he wants, then it's not his fault because he made a sensible decision in his mind. Mm. While in fact, what he perceived as a risk wasn't a risk at all, and so he missed out on an opportunity that he otherwise may have had. Like, what can I say to you? Something like Something like, uh, for instance, somebody wants to buy something that is um, on sale, but he's not sure that he can afford it, even though it's cheaper than it would be if he bought it later. So he's fearful that if he spends his money on this item, that he then uh, will be short of money and he won't be able to survive. And so he puts it off, he puts it off, he puts it off, and then when he finally decides that he's going to buy it, he turns up at the place where he buys his item and they say to him, sorry, the sale is off. (laughs) Because he waited too long, and fear stops him from stopping him from making the most out of opportunity. It may be, be a bit of a benign, um, what do you call it? Example, but but the point is here that fear controlled his behaviour, mm-hmm. and fear perceived buying that item as a risk financially. And you can easily interpret that as him being sensible and being totally justified, right? But it, there is obviously no trust in his future because he sees a future of lack and ap- and, and um, poverty ahead of him. So then buying something, committing himself to something represents a risk. Mm. If he saw a future of abundance and potential wealth, then he wouldn't see it as a risk. He would just have bought it and taken an advantage of the discount he would have had.
0: Yes, yes. Right. Whereas in, in the in the initial scenario suggested where he missed out on the sale, he would blame the shop owner for taking it off sale
1: potentially. Obviously, yeah. It's not his fault. He was going to buy it. Yeah. Why'd they make it so short? Why couldn't <laughs> they have extended it for a week? You know, you hear all these stories.
0: This is where conflict so, comes from really, doesn't it? There, there would be a conflict in that situation potentially if he was willing to take it up with the, with the shop if, owner.
1: Yeah, he would because, I mean, it, it's a stretch whether somebody should challenge uh, you know, a uh, a shop because they took it off sale when it was advertised that would only be on sale for a limited time but potentially he could be angry about the fact that the uh, shop uh, took it off sale and um, because he's now powerless to buy it and powerless is a good word here uh, his um, he might go into conflict with the uh, an argument with the shop owner saying that he should still be entitled to buy it for whatever reasons he can come up with um, so I think that's
0: an excellent example of how quite a, this is a fairly simple example of how something that you fear, so if you fear the abundance of you, you, know that you're not going to be abundant in the future, can have an impact on the reality that you end up being part of and perceiving that you create for yourself. Yeah. Um, I think there's also something in that that you mentioned earlier, you can be consciously making decisions. I think there's a great mistrust in people in general of their subconscious. Like They actually create an artificial divide between any conscious and
1: subconscious interactions. Well, the reason we call it subconscious is because it's not conscious. So, yeah. so there's a lot of stuff inside people's minds that they're not aware of and not conscious of, and they don't realize that it rules their life. Mm. Um, in all the therapy sessions I've done, the 25 years I've been doing them, uh, this is a very consistent and very... Um, unfortunately, a very um, obvious aspect of um, dealing with people's consciousness and dealing with their issues and problems that it's a bit like an iceberg, really. we are only conscious about of, of a small part mm. of uh, what we actually believe and what we actually think and that for the rest of it, it's all based on assumption, fear, insecurity... Um, and not really, um, we're not really conscious of the things that drive us, which, which makes then the idea that things are being done to us, that others control our success and failure, that others control what we have and cannot have, that others um, uh, make us feel bad or um, make us feel powerless or helpless, becomes um, what you might call a truth. Because of the fact that you don't realize well, that you are the creator of all of this yourself
0: and, and and obviously your physical experiences would reinforce what you're believing to be true, so you believe it's a truth and then you get re- reinforcement through your future physically through all your physical experiences
1: when course. when there's a reality experience yes. of of your of your beliefs um, you will see the 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 situation or the people or whatever that are that are part of that experience as often as being to blame, mm-hmm. and so therefore, you um, you then see yourself automatically as a victim, even though you may not think so. Um, they, our our reaction to all these things is unfortunately um, mostly self criticism, self judgment, um, self deprecating, or blaming everybody else making everybody else responsible and declaring yourself the innocent in the event. Um, None of this helps your case, none of this helps you evolve, none of this makes you more spiritual, none of this makes you a powerful person in the world. Mm. If you have to get what you want, like we're talking about, earlier on we spoke about consciously creating your reality, okay, instead of subconsciously. Now, consciously recreating your reality can be because you are aware of the positive beliefs that you have and you act on them, or you make conscious choices based on fear, which are part of behavior, to overcome your fear in order to get a positive outcome. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, let me try and explain this, because it probably sounds a bit complicated. Um, If I I have uh, a fear of losing, then I might want to make the conscious decision. I fear that because it makes me feel embarrassed. It makes me feel ashamed. It makes me feel less. It makes me feel inferior. It makes me feel inadequate. It makes me compare myself with other people and feel less than them. Okay? That's why I have a fear of failure. So I make a conscious decision to try and beat everybody At their game, whatever that game may be, whether whether it's a sale, whether it is in my job, whether it is the most clients uh, that I convert into a sale, or whether it is somebody I beat in a race, or whether it is I'm the one that has to score the goal. Could Um, could you
0: could you also another another outcome of that of that is that you would not try? You fear losing, therefore you would not play the game.
1: Yeah, but I, I, I think first of all you need to understand why 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 being that way is perceived like being a winner right is generally perceived as a positive thing yes and so even though you're doing it out of fear you will you will encounter your behavior in a positive blanket if you like in order to give the impression that what you're doing is a positive thing Now, if you then lose and you make a big fuss about losing and you tell everybody how much it means to you, right, that you now have lost and you tried so hard, it is a way of avoiding what you believe to be would be the judgment and criticism of others and judge you as a, you know, as an insignificant, worthless individual because you lost, right? So you try to, um, let's call it... um, Um, prevent judgment and um, looking like some loser, if you like, by proclaiming that you did everything you could, you're totally exhausted, you you did everything, you you sacrificed everything to win, and you did it for everybody else, for God, your mother, your father, your girlfriend, the universe, right? Or perhaps even someone else cheated. Well, yeah, you you may blame others for... for, um, for not playing the game fairly, uh, for disadvantaging you, uh, for for let you know for for breaking the rules, etc. Yep. etc. Cetera, et cetera, in order to justify your loss,
0: Which but, you could probably uh, this is a good example that ties us into where we started. You could even, I think, at a subconscious level, you could manifest a physical ailment that was then able to be blamed for that loss. Uh, you you come up lame. Uh, or... People
1: people do. Yeah, uh, people do. Um, and, you know, the, the reality is that winning or losing uh, has been turned into something that seems to be critical to someone's lifespan, that if you don't come out as a winner, in some way in this world, you're a nobody, mm. uh, which is because the press, the media and everything uh, adulate a winner uh, to a point where there's no reality to the value of their win, I mean, who really, you know, so you win a golf tournament. So what? Did it change the world? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. You know, you won a soccer match. Great. I hope you enjoyed the soccer. Did it change anything in this world? Did it make it a better world, a worse world? Nothing. It's just a match. It is a physical activity. And whilst you may feel good about doing it, I think extending it to the point where it is a world changing event. No, it isn't. Mm agreed and so you need to be real about that Mm. Mm. you know if a soccer match for instance right helped you overcome a fear right that would be fantastic it's not something that needs to be in the media like Rudy Eckert overcame the fear of (laughs) losing by scoring a goal in a match against some team right uh because it is a self-experience, and yeah. therefore it's all about you, and it's fine to be all about you.
0: Mm. Yeah, we talked about on that briefly last week. Um, because of the, the time constraints of podcasting, we're going to probably continue this next, next episode. But just to, just to complete the episode, I don't think you fully answered my question succinctly about what is fear. Because you did give ah, me no, an answer.
1: No, no, I didn't. So just, no, just didn't. to
0: round that out, it would be great if you could give that. As no, a lead I thought in.
1: i keep the tension in there. Keep bit, the tension, you know? Keep yeah. the tension happening and people saying, what is fear? Okay. After about three and a half years of working with people and trying to understand fear, I came to the most simplest of realizations, which was that all our emotional fears come from the absence of unconditional love, trust, being wanted, and being accepted. Mm -hmm. And that the conditions that are placed on us to meet the um, requirements to be loved, to be accepted, to be wanted, uh, to be trusted, those conditions create a fear because we fear failing those conditions. So you basically could say you could fear fear not being good enough to be loved, not being deserving enough to be accepted, not being desirable enough to be wanted, Mm. not being special enough to be trusted. And so you're constantly then battling in your life um, with the fear that you will be rejected, that you will be dismissed, that you will be discarded.
0: So so basically fear is the absence of... Unconditional
1: love of unconditional love. Yeah, love is only love when it's unconditional. Acceptance is yeah. only true acceptance. I think there's a whole discussion on that. Yeah, there is. Love is only love
0: when it's unconditional. Uh, that might be our next discussion. It's
1: it it's a massive thing mm. because I d- I don't think we understand what unconditional is. A lot of people think that you can be unconditionally loving of children, but not necessarily with adults. Well, if you are in that sort of space, right? then you're still not loving unconditionally because you have conditions on love <laughs> because you only love children but you don't love adults yeah that's right do you understand, I understand. so subconsciously you are actually choosing your um, your conditions your conditions yeah. in order to feel free to express what you feel mm.
0: All right well we're going to we're going to leave it there but uh, to be continued Well, I thought that discussion really opened up a can of worms. There's so much more in this that, uh, that we're going to explore over the coming weeks. Now, I mentioned at the start when I was explaining my story that I that I practiced automatic writing. If you're interested more in me, if you're interested in that practice and what, what that involves, you can actually look up my website. I have some information on there about myself and about what I do. www.markfollett.com. That's M-A-R-K-F-O-L-L. E double T. Don't forget the double T because everyone does. All right. So thank you very much again for listening. Tell all your friends. We'd love to have lots of subscribers and to spread the message uh, of what Core Truths all about.